That is the sound of J.J. Moses <laughs> clapping. He's clapping for our Deep Slant podcast, Ooh. episode two. He's fired up. We are in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. J.J., always a pleasure to have you here talking. We, we usually have a mini podcast before our podcast where we talk about something completely off topic. And then I feel like by the time we start the podcast, we're like... <laughs> We're like in the middle of a conversation, and now we're just letting everybody else in on it, right? That's right. I'm so glad to be here again with you. What a great time we're having. And Wow. What about that Super Bowl? Yeah, I want to talk to you about the Super Bowl. Yes. I gave you a homework assignment, which I hope that you did. I did. I wanted you to watch Tom versus Time. Uh, A few of our Texans players won some awards over the weekend. I want to get your thoughts on that because we saw a lot of Deshaun Watts and a lot Mm -hmm. of J.J. Watt on Radio Row last week in Minneapolis. And a lot of cool updates happening with some of our players so we'll get into all that but yeah let's let's start with the Super Bowl how did you watch it oh my I watched it at home and it was unreal I was so excited the day before the day going into the Super Bowl it was almost as if I was getting ready why to were play. you why was this Super Bowl so exciting it's one of those things where it's it's two teams Philadelphia against New England and I'm a Tom Brady fan so okay you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, watching teams and, and watching guys that you grew up watching. And Tom was one of those guys that I remember, in, even in college, of, man, that's Tom Brady. And, and I just heard a segment on ESPN where they were talking about, is Tom Brady the best athlete ever? And, of course, if he would have won, he would have had, what, six championship rings, I believe it was. So I was excited to see if Tom was going to find a way to come up with another win. And so before the game starts, you know, I'm ready. I got my pizza. I'm <laughs> chilling. I got my, you know, everything. And I'm just excited. So did you play? How many times did you play against him in your career? We played against Tom twice. And both times we beat them. I'm just okay. joking. No? They I was like, were you with out. the Texans? When I was the, with the Texans. With that time when to- yes. they took Tom out week 17? No, <laughs> week 17. They, no, we actually <laughs> played him here, and it was like maybe week 14, 15. I can't remember exactly what week it was, but, again, New England was even a powerhouse back in 2003, 2004, yeah. of course. And it was one of those things where you knew going against Tom Brady. That even was, then? Even, even then, then you knew that? Okay. Because even at that time, it was crazy because we had played – Oakland Raiders that year, I think it was in 2004, and we were going against Jerry Rice because, remember, Jerry was with the Oakland Raiders. Right. And so it was all that time where you was like, okay, Tom Brady, Jerry Rice's, mm. and Tom Brady still had that household name, and that was over, what, 13, 14 years you ago. You know, I, I was trying to remember when it was that we started looking at Tom Brady like that because yeah. I know Peyton Manning, you know, pretty early in his career, people said, okay, this is what he does. He can dissect defenses, and he can read everything, and he changes everything. I remember that was that was his thing early on. But Tom Brady, it seemed like, because he was a backup, he was you know sitting behind Drew Bledsoe, mm-hmm. and how he got to start was very different. He wasn't the number one overall pick in the draft. Right. You know, he had to sort of earn his way. But you say even back in 2004, it was like, this is Tom Brady. Like, he could be a Hall of Famer, one of the greats. Totally. He was something special. You could just tell by the way that he demanded that and commanded that respect with the team. And, and at that time, I think they won at Super Bowl. Wasn't they had it? one. I they th- had one. One, I think it was. Yeah. Was it one? I want to say it was one. But their Super Bowls just blend together in my head now. It's just unreal. He's been to eight of them. so. And it's just, <laughs> just watching him over the years. And I was just wondering, what separates Tom Brady from all the other quarterbacks that have come along the way. And to me, really what stands out is his ability just to win and to stay focused. Like the guy, it's just unreal. It's almost like a Michael Jordan-type attitude that he has, that he's going to die to try to win, and he's going to do everything that he can. And also his ability just to stay focused. I mean, most of the time, if you're an NFL athlete, you know, you're having fun, you're enjoying this, but the guy seems 
to be like he's the guy that he gets it. He knows exactly what he wants, and he wants to be the best. When I was playing in the NFL, DB, I wasn't like that. I was the guy that – You weren't? That, no. You, know, I'm, you I seem was, like a scrappy, like you got to get no, out there and well, fight and claw well, your way for – Yes. Yeah. Yes, but the difference was is that Tom when, – when Tom would play or when he's playing now – when it's time to check out out of practice or to leave the building, he seems like he's still in the building. Like he is still five practicing. o'clock, he's still watching tape. He's still going over it with the coaches. He's still around, just watching the whole thing, taking care of his body. When five o'clock was to roll around for me, I was out the building. I was gone. <laughs> I was like, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> I, was I don't think you're unusual. In that John, actually, John Harris and I were discussing this on the air the other day. I was ready at the Greenbrier when the Texans faced the Patriots. Everybody left. Tom Brady had some like rubber band thing around his waist, and he was working on some drills on the field. Everybody else was gone, minus Deshaun Watson, mm. who was standing there watching very carefully what Tom Brady was doing. So, I think that's to, big. do you think now let's let, let, let's scale it down to like a rookie? Deshaun Watson, that sort of work ethic, that sort of focus, like yes. Do you do you sort of see similarities there? You do, and you also see it in JJ Watt. But it's this type of spirit that you have where you live, sleep, and eat football. Yeah, JJ definitely. And right? and you have to be that type of guy. And see what happens is the NFL can burn you out for a lot of players because it's demanding of so much of your time. Whether if it's you're here at seven o'clock in the morning, and then you hear, and then you probably won't leave out until five o'clock. So most guys are like, okay, I put my time in. It's time to go back home with my family, my kids and, and do whatever I have to do. But for the ones that are great and, and that really excel in this business is the ones that can stay late that, that take this as if this is their life. That's all they want. And with me, I was the guy where I was like, there's more than life than just football. I'm not going to sit here and watch returns after returns and studying uh, what a return game looks like. I did what I had to do, and then I was like, okay, let's check it, on out. Is it different because of your position, too, being a wide receiver or returner? It's very different than being a quarterback. There's a lot more on your shoulders as a well, quarterback, you too. Would think, but I also think that if you, even if you're a return guy, you can really put in enough time and study. You can just love the game. And there are certain guys like a Deion Sanders. You can tell that he loved the game. Mm-hmm. He would study it. And, of course, he was very talented. But certain guys, they just have this in them where that's all they think about is football. Live, sleep, and eat football. Of course, in high school and college, we were like that. I was like that for the most part. But once I got to the NFL, I was like, okay. It's so, my job. It's my job. Yeah, which it is. But it's like I was thankful for this. and But it was one of those things where it wasn't my promised land, where I was like, okay. I, I was like, I just made it. I was just fortunate just to You're make just it. You're happy to be here. And where Tom Brady, you know, those guys, J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, it's not enough just making it into the NFL. They want to be the best player ever. And I didn't come in like that. I was yeah. like, I was just glad to just – you know, to be in a locker room. No, I, I totally I totally understand where you're coming from. And I, actually, I yeah. want to get into Tom versus time because you did watch it, right? That was that, your homework assignment. It was assignment. unreal. I did. Okay, I did. I'm going to get into that with okay. you. Let's talk about, uh, since we're talking about the Super Bowl, how about Philadelphia? Tom being as great as he is, mm. then Philly comes out there. He looked like he was running for his life a little bit at the end of the game. And then how about Nick Foles, what he's able to do as a backup? Like, this storyline could not have been – I mean, they really were the underdogs. The year this. of the underdog. The year of the underdog. And it's just, you're happy for the city of Philadelphia or what's left of it at this point. <laughs> right. But, you know, I think it just, it really, I was discussing this with someone. This year's Super Bowl or mm. last year's Super Bowl? Which 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 is going to go down as, if you say, the best Super Bowl? Wow. I, I, I really think Because I thought, I thought last year, how could you top it? Was, it? it was unreal. And, of course, you heard about what New England's 
Super Bowl ring looked like last year, how they put their halftime score on the ring. Are you familiar oh, with that? Oh, yeah. So it was one of those things where – That was the theme. That yeah. was the theme. For them to come back with that big of a deficit and, and to really overcome the odds, because I totally thought New England was going to lose last year. Atlanta was just dogging them out. But I think last year's Super Bowl overall was a more of an amazing story because it was a comeback. Whereas this year's Super Bowl – for the most part, Philadelphia was kind of controlling the whole entire game, and you can kind of see, okay, Philadelphia may have an opportunity, but you were also no, were, were probably expecting that Tom was going to come back and have a phenomenal, phenomenal, you even know, bigger, comeback. bigger comeback ever. But it wasn't as it wasn't going to be as big as last year's because last year's was unbelievable. I was fully expecting it, and I thought even when they had that strip sack on Brady, yeah. and then Philly got the ball back, I'm like, doesn't matter. One minute left. I mean, we saw what Tom Brady can do with one minute left being oh. down by a score because it happened against the Texans uh, this year, too. The Texans were in total command of that game. But if he gets the ball last, he usually wins. And it yeah. just didn't happen. But it's exciting for Philly. But I, I fully thought Tom Brady could pull it off. I, I just They were it. in a position to win. I was watching it with, the, with my wife. And, it, of course, they were down by eight. And I said, what, what, what was it, about a minute left or something like that? Yeah. And I was like. Oh, no worries. Eight points, that's all no he has to score? Outs, no oh, problem. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he maybe threw a, a good little out pattern to, I forgot who it was that caught the ball. And I was like, okay, here we go, here we go. Yeah, They're about to find a way. Here, it's just going to be a big play. And you're rooting for, and for some reason, I was, I was rooting for them. Totally, and I, I thought, was. why am I rooting for the Patriots? I was rooting for the Eagles. But you're just rooting for a really good game. You're hoping for a good game. Yeah. And to go, you know, go into overtime again. But to me, what really was the, the the overall theme of the game is when I saw Tom Brady. Remember when he threw that, when somebody threw the ball to him and he dropped the ball yeah. right there on the sideline. And then when Foles came in and they did a little trick play. The Philly special, and yeah. And he threw the ball to him. He caught the ball in the end zone and he caught the play, caught the ball and scored a touchdown. To me, that was the defining moment, moment where I said, okay, young versus old. Ugh. We have a new kid on the block, a new chapter that's about to be written. And I said that right there was to me a sign of a tale that maybe New England was going to possibly lose that game. That play calling like I you know I want to ask you about the trend moving forward. Mm. Are we going to see cuz we have seen a number of trick plays over the years because now everybody after that play starts showing like yeah. oh this team ran it, that team ran it. Are we going to see more of these plays because generally speaking, when you're facing a team you I don't know who said this to us on the air once. I think it was DJ Reader. He said, you know what the other team's going to do, mm-hmm. and they know what you're going to do, and you just have to stop them. You have it's to stop just, it. It's just not easy to do. So that element of surprise, if you can introduce it one play, two play, maybe even three plays in a game, does that give you such a huge advantage that we're going to start seeing that more? Because that's something wow. that nobody saw coming, right? I didn't see it coming. Who would have ever thought? Not on fourth down at the goal line. On fourth line. down, we're going to throw the ball to our quarterback, and he's going to score the touchdown. Who's never caught? Who's never <laughs> caught a pass <laughs> ever in his career? And the guy that threw it, um, Clement, he'd never thrown it. Thrown it during his time in league. So they they and they practiced it super secret. They didn't what? practice it outside. There was a whole story written on the Philly special and how it came about and how they called it. And I'm just so fascinated with the strategy behind it. I mean, it's one of those things. Cause I heard Tom Brady mention this, and he said for the most part, throughout his career, he's seen it all. I mean, I mean, in terms of watching the defense, he knows exactly what coverage. So there's really too much. It's not too much of what Tom Brady has not seen. So when he saw Foles come out the backfield and, and you know score that touchdown, I wonder, was he thinking, man, I've never seen that before. Right. 
I do believe this going into the next football season, of course, there's going to always be tricks and different disguises. But at the end of the day, it's still football. I mean, you still got to go out there and catch the football. And I personally think that as we continue to go on, you, you are going, you're going to be amazed. I think J.J. Watt, to me, was one of those guys. Remember a few years back, they lined him up and he was scoring all those touchdowns. 2014 was the year of it the trick unreal. play. It was for the, the year. T- so but, the it wasn't Texans- even, but it wasn't even trick because I feel like when you see J.J. Watt, in the goal line package. (laughs) At some point in the season, you're like, oh, boy, they're totally going to him. Yeah. There's only a handful of times they didn't. Yeah, and I was wondering as well, because typically during the Super Bowl, DB, you're going to always see, for an example, a big-time return uh, run, whether if it's on a kickoff return, punt return. You're going to see something big. But we didn't see that in this year's Super Bowl, or even last year's, I don't believe, where it was a punt returner that really broke the game open, like a Devin Hester. Remember when yeah. they when the Bears uh, were, were in the Super the Bowl? Colts, right. Yeah, every year it was always some Jacoby Jones, when he was with Baltimore, right. just did a phenomenal job with the return game. So it's been crazy because nowadays – you don't really see that punt returner or kick returner in the NFL that's really game-changing the game. So I wonder where that leads, you know, with the special teams unit, All right. with the return there, game. There is, but maybe not in a positive way. What about that last return um, where they did that weird little flip, New England, and they lost oh, yardage? What, what, what was that? Your, as a return oh, man, what was goodness. your thought on that? Well, first of all, I thought that was a clever play because he was really going for all or nothing. But to be inside the 10-yard line, I believe, I mean, he flipped it back to the they guy. They lost a good chunk of And they lost yardage. a good chunk of yardage, and that could have been disaster. I mean, yeah. disaster. But when, you're, when your back's against the wall, sometimes you have to be willing to try that type of play because what if that play would have worked? Guy would have ran it back for a touchdown. The special teams coach would have looked like a mastermind. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then everybody going forward, they would have tried that play first week, second week of the season, and it would have been one of those things. But I remember when we were playing, we had that same exact trick play. You did? Okay. And unfortunately, it never works. <laughs> it, it never works? It never works. Do you remember? Do you, were you a part of it? I was a part of it. I was the guy, actually. I caught the ball, and I think I flipped it off to – it was Aaron Glenn at the time. Oh, okay, yes. So, you, of course, you knew Aaron Glenn, but it was one of those things where it really – it has to be the right coverage that the, the opposing team has to kick the ball off at a certain way, and, and if you can catch it at the right moment and hit the right gap, oh, right. It's, it's over because every – you know, pretty much for the most part, the team is going another way and all that, so it's different. You just never know. Yeah. Well, you know, when you it's funny that you mentioned that because I saw that play, but you bring up a good point about trick plays. You can't say only run it when they work because sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. That goal line, the, the Philly special could have easily not worked. And we, and we would have been having a totally different conversation. So we can't say, oh, yeah, only run that trick play, but not this trick play because I think the element of surprise is really yeah. what these coaches are going for. All right, I, we're talking with J.J. Moses on the Deep Slant Podcast. I want to talk to you about Deshaun Watson oh, yes. and J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, obviously, Walter Payton Man of the Year, which uh, really dominated that NFL honors ceremony. And what a, what a great honor for him. He gets to wear the little uh, Walter Payton patch on his jersey forever. Forever. Forever he gets that. to wear it. He if he if Actually, if he would have played, he would have gotten to wear the sticker on his helmet throughout the season, as all the nominees do. But this is a new thing. Drew Brees wears it on his on his jersey, your thoughts on on JJ winning oh Walter Payton Man of the Year, and and you know that's unusual for a player that went on IR so early. It is to get it, but it's also unusual to raise thirty seven million dollars in I mean, less than two weeks. Thirty seven million dollars—that's unreal, and especially a guy that plays his position. Normally, 
Devine, you know this, but it's a guy that's a quarterback, running back, <laughs> you know, that, that gets that type of headline. But for J.J. to come in and raise this much money for the city, it just shows you what type of guy he really is. And I was just watching all those guys that, that had won that previous award, whether if it was the Kurt Warners, the Larry Fitzgeralds, the LaDania Thompson, you know, Thomason's, um who else? It was um, – I saw Benjamin Watson, Benjamin Greg, Greg Olson were the two that were nominated this year, but Drew Brees has Drew won Brees, it. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. All these guys that were a part of that, and J.J. Watt continues to make an impact within our community, and I wouldn't be surprised if after football's over with, he can run for president. Or, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he wants to go into the political side. But he could do anything. He he should he, he could be a fundraiser for anybody. Oh, my goodness. If you want to have a fundraiser for your job, hire J.J. Watt. <laughs> he's going to raise you some money. But the humility that he has, the way that he's well-spoken, I think that's what gives J.J. Watt this overall effect that you, you just you fall in love with the guy because you, you appreciate what he does. And he typically doesn't represent what a football player you think is supposed to be like. You right. Know? For him to he preserve breaks those stereotypes. Yes, you know, you see like he's he'll play catch with a ninety year old grandmother and she's smiling from ear to ear and he's noticing everybody in the crowd and I think that's very special when you can connect uh, with the fans, and 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 you're gonna always have somebody always cheering for you, and they'll they'll never forget uh, how JJ Watt makes made them feel special because he connected with them. You know what I find amazing is that he's not from Houston. No, he's, he's not. not from Texas. He's from Wisconsin, but. Several years ago, he made the switch that you, he might as well be a Houstonian. He really embraced yeah. the city, and maybe it's because the city embraced him. But, you know, he cheers for all the local teams. Yeah. He, you know, loves Texas. Whenever he comes back, you know, at the start of the preseason, he's just like, I love being back in Texas. He's just really embraced the Texas culture, which makes it feel like he's from here. And I think a lot of players don't do that. They're, you know, they, their right. roots are their roots, That's which is right. fine, too. Yeah. You know, but I think other than representing Wisconsin, his school. It's unreal. He's he's taken he, the Astros, the Rockets. I mean, he's into all the local teams. He's into the, the Texas culture and yeah. wearing the boots and everything. I, I think that he's just made him made this really his second home. And I think that's important. I remember a guy that I played with named Donald Driver. Remember Donald yeah, Driver with the Green Bay Packers? And I was up there a few uh, for a season or so. But after Donald finished playing, he kind of he was doing exactly what J.J. Watt did was he really connected with the state of Wisconsin. So he would go out to speak at, you know, University of Wisconsin football games, the basketball teams. And, and I think that's a great way to stay connected within the state. And that's exactly what J.J. did. When I was playing football here with the Texans, it's crazy, but we were told at that time we cannot wear any other professional sports teams during you know media day or anything so we pretty much had to wear texas gear okay so it's interesting now when i'll see jj watt you know doing a live interview he might have the astros hat on or he might have the, the rockets, rockets. Yeah. and i'm like wow that is so cool because at that time we were just told just to wear texans gear I see. and i think now it's great to see that you're able to support your other you know local friends and that play on different teams and all that because we're all in this together especially within the state of texas and even in the city of houston i think it's really adorable I don't know if it's the right word, but it is adorable to me when other huge athletes yeah. are huge fans of each other. That's unreal. I like, love that. JJ's at a Rockets game, and that's when Patrick Beverly was here. He was just so in awe of Patrick Beverly, and Patrick Beverly is so in awe of JJ. And 
You know, all these guys, they're just so big, fan, such big fans of each other. Well, you, you, know, know? you know what it's like? It's like it's, it's, it goes back to this. Most football players, either they want to be a, a music guy, they want to be an, a musician, or they want to play basketball. Same thing. Most musicians, they want to play football. Most <laughs> basketball players want to play football. So it's one of those things where it's like, man, I would love to play what you're playing, and they would love to play what we're playing. So it doesn't surprise me that there's so many great connections. Remember Yamin? Yeah. I always thought it would have been so cool. For me, have had the opportunity to know Yamin because when I was playing, I was only I'm only five foot six. Right. Yamin was playing. He's seven. How tall is he? Seven, seven two, seven one. I don't know that's, how tall. Yeah, that's. I always that thought it would have right. been a cool picture. Did you small, ever? Did you not ever meet him? No, I never met him, and I always would have thought it would have been cool to have the smallest guy in the NFL <laughs> and then the tallest guy you in the NBA. You should have pitched that to somebody, JJ. Now, it's not too time, late. It's too late. It's way too late. Oh well. You, you and you Hakeem. Live. Hakeem come. He, Hakeem was our uh, was our. Uh, <laughs> Coin toss or the home field advantage captain for one of the games, and uh, that would you could do Hakeem Elijah one because I mean, he's here six months out of the year. And to me, JJ Watt will, you know, of course we knew Hakeem, and it was Hakeem. Of course, was the icon of Houston, and then um, the running back, the Oilers. Um, I'm, um, Earl Earl um, Campbell. Earl Campbell. Yeah. Earl Campbell. Hakeem. Those were pretty much two of the pioneer iconic iconic figures. Houston athletes. Now yeah. we can luckily say that JJ Watt is. Of course, a part of that. And I would also include Andre Johnson. Absolutely. Because you can't forget Andre Johnson of what he's done. The city loves Andre Johnson, as as we all saw during that game against the Cardinals where he had the, rolled out the red carpet. Wasn't you were, that unreal? You were on the red carpet. Oh. That was such an amazing ceremony. I watched that Super Bowl ceremony, and, I, and we were talking about how that just reminded us of the Andre Johnson. And wouldn't it be nice to actually, when, when the Texans, not if, when the Texans make a Super Bowl, you have, like, all these former players oh, on the field. and. Get to watch it because I think it's still exciting, even if you're not playing the game anymore. It is. I mean, just think to see all, your team go to the Super Bowl. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, we've had a lot of great players to come out of here. Of course, you got the Andre Johnsons, the Aaron Glens, the Jamie Sharpers. Um, um, I'm thinking about it. Even D'Amico Ryan. D'Amico Ryan. Yeah. I mean, um, the office of linemen. Um, uh, not uh, Wade Smith was it? Oh, that entire O line. They there were they were amazing. Chris Myers. Chris and Wade Myers. Smith and yeah. I mean, you got a line, a list of guys that really, really uh, were just big-time players and that we were fortunate to have with the Houston Texans. So it's going to be interesting in years to come what players will continue to get enshrined and get noticed within the Texans organization. But when Andre Johnson, when they did that big thing for him and, and really had that um, game day experience, man, it was just so good, D.B., to see all the guys that, that we played with from 2002 all the way on up to 2015. Because he's, he's, he's the bridge. He bridged he's the bridge. everybody from 2003, I guess, to, you know, pretty much the, the second season of the Texans, minus yeah. the minus that inaugural year, 2003 all the way through the Kubiak years to Bill O'Brien's era. That's right. Era, you That's know, right. From, from then, from now, like DeAndre Hopkins to back then. Yeah. Andre Johnson's played with all – there were so many players there. I thought he has played with all these players. Every player. Just about every player that's ever played for the Texans every was player. here, unless they were only here for 2002, has been here during Andre By the Johnson's way, era. I have a cool story on Andre Johnson, and I think it was very fascinating. It takes you back when Andre was a rookie here with the Texans. And Andre and I, it was Andre, um, Corey Bradford, Jabari Gaffney, Salone Thomas, and a guy named Kendrick Starling. We were all the re- – and myself, we were all the receivers during that time. And Coach Kippy was our uh, wide receivers coach. And so – Andre, it was his rookie year, and I remember we were in our meeting room. And typically, you know how meeting rooms are in the NFL. They're very cold because players don't go to sleep, so they keep us up with all this cold. You know. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that. So, no. yeah, every room in pretty much in every room, 
quarterback room, running back room, the D line room, O line room. They, they they'll turn. They just keep it really cold. Freezing, so you okay. probably have to come in. That's why you see during the summertime or during training camp, guys still, you know, they're wearing their sweatshirts, Sleeves. hoodies on. It's freezing in there. No one wants, you know, wants somebody to go to sleep. So, so Dre and I and all the guys, we were in our meeting room, and I remember um, it was crazy because it was one of those long practices we had. And of course, the coach turns the lights out, and we're watching the film. And as the meeting goes on, five or ten minutes, he starts calling guys' names. What'd you think about that, uh, Corey? No, nothing. <laughs> then he said, Sloan, what do you think about that? Sloan, what do you think about this coverage right here? Nothing. You couldn't hear anything. Andre, what do you think about this? Nothing. You can hear. Everybody was asleep? JJ. J- J- and as soon as he said my name, true story, you can ask Andre. He turned the lights off on and he just ripped the whole entire room. <laughs> because typically I was the guy, Andre would tell you, but. Instead of actually watching the film, I would be sitting back reading the Bible and reading because I'm, I'm trying. I'm just reading the scriptures because I didn't have to play the game, so I wasn't really concentrating on what they were going to do in on, in the game day. It was all on what Andre and Corey would have to do, so I wasn't even paying attention. So when he saw that I was asleep, it just blew that, the whole really entire meeting mad. room, and he gave it to everybody. And Andre, to this day, I think we were when we did our Andre Johnson ordeal that weekend, he was saying that was one of his defining moments of his career where he haven't he hasn't laughed. <laughs> that hard because everybody in that whole entire meeting room was asleep. It was crazy. So that made on to that. That's fantastic. It was crazy. So he I, said those were some of his best memories. He was most excited to see that particular group of wide receivers, your group, because he said it was like deaf comedy jam. It was so, he said, I laughed so hard with those guys. Jabar Gaffney, Corey Bradford, yourself. He said, I had so much fun with them. And I thought, I can't. it's hard for me to picture Andre Johnson laughing Andre? super hard. <laughs> I really want to see it because he's just so serious. But yeah. uh, that just I, – I really like that, you know, he, you could tell it as he was remembering it. He just has such fond memories, and I think that's something that he really misses. I know. And, I, and, J- and you probably do too. Absolutely. And J.J. Watt will have that type of significance where he's connected with so many of the players over the years, and he's played with this guy, that guy. And I think once it's all said and finished, he's going to have so many uh, pivotal moments. But I think with him raising that money for $37 million, dollars, yeah. that's something that is going to always be the highlight to me of his career, despite all the other accolades that he might receive in the, in the, in the near future, man, because that was unreal. All right, another guy who's solidified his name already, Deshaun Watson. During yes. the hurricane, obviously, he gave his first paycheck to the, these ladies in the cafeteria, who probably the same ladies that were working here when, we were when here. you were yeah, here. Yeah, when I was here. And uh, he gave his first paycheck to them after maybe knowing them for, what, like four or five months? Not if even that, that long. No, if yes. even that, because we were gone most of the off season, And uh, here comes... Uh, Deshaun Watson, he actually over the weekend won the Courtyard's Greatness on the Road Award, which is given to the player who demonstrates the best performance in a road game during the regular season. So he actually won it when he challenged the Seattle Seahawks and their secondary through for 402 yards, four touchdowns. He became not the first rookie, but the first quarterback in NFL history with 400 or more yards, four or more passing touchdowns, 50 or more rushing yards in a single game. And he was, I mean, that was his, what, eighth game? <laughs> eighth game, yeah. Eighth game. And that was his last game. And that's the game that we're left with now this entire offseason to remember. But it's funny because over the weekend I was watching all these interviews with Deshaun Watson. He was on Radio Row. And Steve Smith Sr. actually brought up that mm. game. And he said watching that game made him want to come out of retirement. Really? <laughs> I mean, when I Like it made him so excited. <laughs> right. I mean, the guy, it, it's one of those things, act like you've been there before. 
for some reason, Deshaun Watson, I promise, it's like he's been in the NFL before. How does he seem like that? He does seem like even Richard Sherman was like, no quarterback has ever come in here and done to us what he did, and he's a rookie. Like he, he was like, he's going to be top five next year. He and said they. I feel like Seattle, the Seahawks were just just stunned. Yes, as were as were we because obviously the expectations from a rookie, you know, everyone tempers them. Can you believe he was a backup going into the football season? He was not even the projected starter but JJ, from week one. You are right. You're right. And people people bring That's this up to me unreal. all the time. They're like, well, why wasn't – if he's that great, why wasn't he the starter? And I said, I was there his first day of OTAs, uh-huh. and he was missing passes. He looked like a rookie. He was still getting his bearings. And, uh, you know, John Harris and I were talking, and John said, yep, he looks like a rookie, but he'll mm-hmm. get there. <laughs> Training camp – you know, I don't think he ever I, – I never felt like in a training camp practice it was he, like, he's the, the guy. one. He's the one. He never really won it. Tom Savage and Tom Savage, to his credit, sure. looks really good during practice and in camp. Wow. So how do you know until it's a game situation? The lights and then he has to And then he has to scramble out of – you know, it was, a, it was like a perfect storm of things. Offensive line, you got a lot of guys playing together that aren't used to playing together. There's a lot of running for your life. Jacksonville, who thought Jacksonville was going to get 10 sacks in week one? I mean, not me. Right. I don't think anybody thought that Jacksonville was going to be that good, their defensive front. Perfect storm of events, and Deshaun Watson's skill set just fits perfectly. Perfect. It just fits perfectly because, A, you don't want him to get hurt, but, B, you know, he's not going to get sacked 10 times. That's right. You know, because he can at least get himself out of it. And nobody really knows how to defend that. No one. I mean, the maybe they will next year, but I think we're we're gonna have all new plays and 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 who knows what this offense is gonna look like next year with who's on it. Now this is interesting because remember when RG three came into the NFL and that first year yes. RG three on just fire blew it up. Yeah, we were like, oh my, we've never seen this done before in the NFL with a rookie quarterback, and he was almost like the new and approved Michael Vick, and so. When when this, when when RG three got injured, he was never the same. No, the difference between Deshaun Watson and RG three is this to me: is Deshaun has this it factor, he has this drive like a JJ Watt. It's one of those things where he demands the respect not only on the football field but also in the locker room, where guys gravitate to him. And so I believe going forward that there's not an injury that's going to make this guy slow down. He's he's going to be one of the great, and I really I will put my word on it almost because I just see something special in him, and and um, so it's going to be really interesting of how his rehab. And I think you saw that social media oh, this post was, with him running. He was running like, on the treadmill. Did you see that? I, oh, I, I wrote a story about it within five minutes because we're like, hey, everybody, Deshaun <laughs> Watson is running again. Like I just feel like everybody is so excited to follow <sighs> our players' progress and yes. to see him on the treadmill running. My ten-year-old oh. was so excited when I told him that news, and it's. It's nationals because he is ahead of schedule. He is. Uh, you know, and everybody wants to see what he is because I think he just brings an excitement to the NFL. Yes. Not just to Texans fans, but I think you just listen to these national people. They are so excited oh to gosh. see. And I, I'm telling you, JJ, get ready for a lot of primetime games in 2018. Oh, my goodness. I, I know it is. Get and, ready for it. But the thing is, is, have you just watched him? He's so calm and poised. It's like he's so relaxed out there. I mean, it's, nothing gets him overwhelmed. I mean, he fits so perfectly within the system. When they put him in, I remember watching him. And his first couple passes, like you said, he might have missed. He was off target here or there. But that never got him off course. And he stayed at it. And next thing I noticed, it was like, did you just see that play? 
Oh my gosh, he electrified 70,000 fans. How did he escape? How, How did, did he, he score that ball? How did he throw that ball? And he did that each and every week. It was He was gaining more and more momentum. He was, as he was, he was you, you think, oh, is it a flash in the pan? Is it going to come? Right. It was going to be like an up and down rookie season. But he was getting better and better. And I know Bill O'Brien has talked about it too. He said he'll make a mistake, but right. he won't make that same mistake again. At all. No. And you know, it. It's funny that you mentioned him playing under the bright lights because first game, obviously, Cincinnati. That was his birthday, yeah. prime time. We had no tight ends. <laughs> yeah, Everybody right. was injured. I think Bruce Ellington was out. And I was nervous for him sitting in the press box like, please don't mm-hmm. let this kid get hurt on his first start on national television. And it's his birthday. Yeah. Like, please don't let, you know, just, I just, I, I feel like as I've gotten, you know, more and more uh Older, I I didn't want to say older, but I guess I just did. (laughs) I worry about the health of everybody more so than anybody because you just know how much they work to to be on the field every Sunday. And you don't want, you know, in one instant that could be all taken away. But, you know, he just, he got knocked on his butt during one play against Cincinnati. And I remember we all, the collective (gasps) gasp, and then he comes back and you know, scrambles for 49-yard touchdown. Like it was nothing. And we're just sitting there like, did that really happen? Next week at New England. At New England. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's New England. We've been here before. This place just makes me want to throw up. He was just totally calm. He's going through his pregame ritual, bobbing his head. He's just listening to the music, enjoying the day. And, I mean, he put on a show in New England, too. He put on a show. Put on a show in New England. In Tom Brady's house. That yeah. was unreal. They, they, I still look back at that game. That game, Seattle, I just feel like we should have won those games. They we were so have. close. And you know what? I think Deshaun Watson's second year in the league, healthier oh. players around the, the, those games could be easy. Th- th- those are those are wins. Those are winnable games. And you know you're bad. You know you're bad to the bones when you're a big-time quarterback. When you're back, I remember hearing Tom Savage say this live, but he was saying something like, I don't know. He told Deshaun, I don't know how you made that play, but if I would have tried to do that, my bones would have just collapsed. <laughs> He's I like, mean, I would have pulled both of my I mean, groins. Exactly. Or <laughs> so when your backup says that, you yeah. know for the most part that you're pretty much – you're an awesome player. Right. Because typically backups say, oh, I could have done that too if I would have got the right. opportunity. I don't think anybody was really saying that when they watched <laughs> No, him. no, not but at all. But you talk about playing through injury. I wrote a story actually after we were drafted. I started doing my research on Deshaun Watson. It's funny because we knew about Deshaun Watson. We saw the – I saw the, the championship, national championship yes. games. But not with any real like, oh, he could be the Texans quarterback because – I didn't have a clue. I didn't – I mean, no. we were picking like way later than I thought he'd be available. That So watching with interest, you go back and you start doing more research on him. He played through a torn ACL at Clemson. Torn ACL played against South Carolina, their big rival. Won the game. Won the game. Won the game. Like, talk about his toughness. Good. You know, I would not want him to ever do that again. But he's, <laughs> right. A, it's good that he's gone through an ACL rehab and he kind of knows what to expect. But B, he's just, he's a tough guy. He's you know? a tough cookie. And I just, I mean, again, when you tear your ACL or your Achilles, it's one of those things where it's never a guarantee that mm. you're going to get back to be at that level. But, again, his IQ for the game is another thing that we can address because he gets it. I mean, most quarterbacks, they have a – it's a difficult system to me with the Texans as far as quarterbacks because you notice a lot of quarterbacks have not been able to fit in within this system. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, when Deshaun got in here, out of all the quarterbacks that we've seen, I don't know how many, maybe 11, 12 quarterbacks. We've seen a lot. I've I mean, seen a lot in the last, like, four years, right. <laughs> five seasons. It's like, I don't know how many. <laughs> I can't even name them. But the fact <laughs> is, out of all the ones, he was able to get into the system and to make those plays the way that he was able to do it, and not only making the plays, but to win some key games. It just shows you that there's got to be something left in the tank. And 
I just hope that his health continues to stay strong because he can play for the next 10 years and still be at this level because he doesn't just hurt you with his scrambling ability. And, of course, that's one of his attributes. But the the biggest thing is this IQ for the game. He seems like he knows exactly which defender to go to or, or I mean, which defender to pick on or how to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he made Will Fuller look amazing. And not oh, yeah. to say Will is not amazing. I mean, he's fast, of course. But Will was on a on a, on a, on a record of scoring 20 million touchdowns this year. <laughs> Every time he caught the ball, it was, it was a, a touchdown. touchdown. I mean, he had like seven catches for seven touchdowns. It's Who amazing how like one player being so dynamic and so confident, how that's like a trickle-down effect on everybody for else. everybody. And I think with Tom Brady, like we see, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, all these quarterbacks who had like, so many receivers over the years, and they all looked really good. And I, you see Deshaun Watson, and, and these are first-round picks, like DeAndre Hopkins, yes. Will Fuller. Like they, they're going to be good, but just right off the bat, like he had that chemistry with them. I just we talked about whether or not he comes back for OTAs. He says he wants to be back for OTAs. It's a it's a mixed bag. John Harris and Mark Vandermeer said, nope, nope. we don't need to see anything from him in OTAs. <laughs> but I think that if he wants to be there just to yeah. get some reps, yeah. I think it's good for him to sort of build that chemistry. He didn't get that last offseason. No, he not didn't. Not with the ones. And, you know, in training camp, even if he was with the ones, DeAndre Hopkins wasn't practicing. He had that, uh, I want to say it was like a wrist issue That's right. in, in camp. So we didn't see very much of DeAndre Hopkins at all. Wow. Just imagine a full year, like you said, going through OTAs, training camp as your number one quarterback. He don't have to worry about competing. That's his job. Oh, my goodness. The season will look unreal. And you know what else? I think Bill O'Brien and this offense, they're going to work on this offense because yeah. – Last year it was geared more towards Tom Savage starting, and they had to change it when Deshaun Watson came in because we saw it sort of go back to Tom Savage when it was when when Deshaun Watson got hurt. But when when Watson was in the game, we were seeing things that we had never. I was like, I I did not see that in camp. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. No, I didn't see that in practice. I didn't see any of that. But I think with the whole offseason, this playbook is going to be dynamic, which also means backup quarterback is going to be huge. It can, and, and, and of course, we remember Braxton Miller, and Braxton was a quarterback, of course, at Ohio State. But my thing is, you got Braxton, I mean, as a slot receiver. I mean, you can also utilize him as a quarterback. Do something else with Deshaun. Not saying you put Deshaun as a wide receiver or anything, but there's so many ways that this Houston offense, special? Yeah, the Houston <laughs> special. I can see it right now. I mean, there's so many ways. And to me, there were foreshadowing moments of last year how they were using Braxton in, in terms of trying to put him on reverses and utilizing him, setting him up. Who knows? This can be a big year for him, and I'm hoping. It needs to be a big year I'm for hoping, Braxton. And I'm I, hoping. I feel for him because he's got so much talent, but he's just had that injury bug even <laughs> yes. last year. You know, with, towards the end of the year, I thought they couldn't even use him as, as an emergency quarterback no. because he was still battling through some things. But, you know, this team was just – Loaded. Hopefully, hopefully we don't have injuries like that I ever know. again. That was just a weird season. And we also forgot about Tyler Irving. Remembering, yes. I mean, the return Remember man. Him? He was he was my pick for the guy that's going to be the utility knife that we're going to use. Yes, <laughs> he was supposed to be the next Trenton Holiday, the guy that yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. was supposed to be electrifying. And, and again, Holiday. he was like a slot receiver slash running back. So we have not yet seen him or Braxton really to just step up and take ownership of that third or fourth string slot receiver. So going into training camp, it's going to be very interesting to see. Who's you already know that it's going to be Will Fuller and Hopkins. We already know that, but who's going to solidify? I think Bruce Ellington's made a made a made a name for himself now, at slot. Don't yes. you think? Now he came in and he, he ran rocked with it. it. He, he rocked, rocked it. it from day one in camp. We we're like, wait, who's, who's this, this guy? Wait, what, who's number, number twelve? Who's this again? 
Well, we had so many receivers coming in, and he was making some phenomenal catches that first day. I mean, he phenomenal. was phenomenal. And, and, again, that's what it takes. When, you're, when your number's caught in this game, especially if you're Braxton Miller or Irving or whoever the case might be, if they call your number, you don't have a lot of opportunities. So when you get in, you want to make the most out of it. And that's what he did. From day one, he came in, whether well, it's a receiver, return man, and you noticed him because of the excitement that he brought to the game. It was big time. All right, I have an important question. Trent and Holiday or yourself, who's taller? Trent, ooh, ooh. I thought you were about to say who's faster. I thought you was about okay, to say well, who's you can faster. Answer, you can answer now, that, too. Now, I, I do believe this. Now, Trent and Holiday. J- J- John, John Harris, Harris just walked in, in, and you're pointing at, you're saying JJ's taller? <laughs> well, I know John Harris and you are all tall. You guys are taller than both of us. Now, Trenton was Five foot five, I believe, right? Five feet five. I thought he was five six, but then if he is five five, then you're he's taller. five five, yeah. but he's about one sixty five. I'm five seven, five six, one seventy five, one eighty. So I was about okay. five or ten. But looking at it, you probably wouldn't tell. But he had a more of a smaller frame than I did. But okay. he's fast. I didn't have his speed. You were a little heavier. You had a little yeah, bit thanks. more heft to you. A little heft to me. So, yeah, so the guy is just, well, he's a track guy. But, again, that's what it takes. You've got to be explosive, fast on your feet. And so we'll see who's going to kind of pick up and be that next return man here for the Houston Texans. All right, I think we're going to wrap it up because uh, these guys are itching to get into the studio. They've got some cooler talk and some radio. <laughs> you, your homework for Tom versus Time is to be continued because I think more episodes are coming out. But you're. I like uh, it. I think it's going. Did you? Did you? you, What you about to say? uh, I was going to say I didn't see the last one. I started the last one, but I didn't finish it. I thought the The spiritual game. I thought the part where he had that one, uh, uh, the masseuse guy, just really just kind of stretching his his muscles up, (laughs) and he was stretching his muscles because as a football player, you know, being tackled and injured, your muscles becomes tighter and tighter. So he was really loosening his muscles. And then when he showed Tom throwing the ball, he said, I feel like I can throw this football. He looked like it, too. He looks like it. I mean, it's just unreal. It's ageless. It's ageless. I don't know how he does it. Well, you know, I thought it was interesting in one of the episodes where he's talking to Julian Edelman. They're discussing lifting weights. Oh. And they were they were getting on him about, you know, he's like, well, I need to do this. And then, and then I don't know if it was the editing, but then they showed Julian getting hurt. Oh. And uh, he had the torn ACL for the season. But I think some of that you just can't control nah. how or when you get injured. But the fact that Tom Brady is still healthy, I mean, I do think lengthening your limbs, but it looked so painful. I don't know how oh often he does that. It's unreal. Like there's just someone just beating you up and stretching every single muscle in your body, especially after you've worked out yeah. like that. I don't know how much Tom Brady lifts weights. Um, you can just kind of <laughs> tell. It looks like he Not does. Not a lot. I don't think he does a lot. And who's the new D, uh, the, the, the D lineman that they just signed in from Pittsburgh? Um James Harrison. James Harrison said that there was he don't. He's, he's got the opposite work. He's the opposite. <laughs> he said he's been in the weight room since pretty much this football season. And he said he's not seen Tom in the weight room yet. Oh, okay. So that's that was very interesting. Right. Maybe something we'll dive Total into. Total opposite. Next. Yeah, they <laughs> should they should have a James Harrison versus time. He just right. adds like eight plates to his leg press <laughs> and his squats. All right, JJ, thanks so much. We'll be back at the same time, same place next week, and uh, appreciate it. Are you you're on Twitter? Let's let's plug your Twitter while we're at. At JJ Moses eighty four. So yeah, absolutely. shoot JJ some topics that you want to hear him discuss. I love hearing stories about when JJ was in the league. He's played everywhere. And then of course I'm at Deep Slant Texans Radio back on the air Monday through Friday six to seven. Uh, be sure to give it a listen. And thanks so much for tuning in. Go Texans. Go Texans.